This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the State of Health, the podcast where patients put healthcare decision makers and thought leaders in the hot seat. I'm Gunnar Asias. On today's Three Questions episode is Governor Mike Parson from Missouri. Rule in a Three Questions episode is simple. The role of the interviewer will flip halfway through the show. This conversation was recorded in fall of 2020. Let's get to it. Uh, Governor Parson, uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Governor. Good to be on today. It's, uh, it's my pleasure to talk with you. Thanks again for the time. Uh, I actually have a strong personal connection to Missouri. My very first cystic fibrosis doctor, Dr. Bob Wilmot, is now the uh, dean of medical school at St. Louis University and actually gave me the opportunity uh, to deliver the pre-commencement address back in 2019, uh, which almost feels like a lifetime ago, given what's going on in the world. Uh, so it's pretty cool to be talking with you today. Yeah, well, it may be a lot of time for you, but when you get to be 64 years old, I, I've got a few years on you. <laughs> Your life is short so far, so. But, <laughs> but, uh, glad, glad you got the St. Louis connection. You know, one of the things that uh, we're so proud of in this state is is really the, some of the research centers that we have here in the state, some of the companies we have. And I, what comes to mind, I guess, a little bit with the COVID-19 situation, too, where you got... Uh, we got Bayer here. We got Pfizer. Pfizer is actually working on the vaccine for COVID-19 right now. Uh, down at OTC is a training school we got for allied health student success, which really teaching those high school kids about different kinds of uh, diseases, different kinds of ways to, to treat people out there. And then when you look at Wash U that you'll be familiar with up in that St. Louis area, they're actually right now uh, kind of on the cutting edge, uh, waiting for FDA approval on a rapid testing response. Uh, for some of the testing on COVID-19. Of course, you're familiar with Cortex, a lot of startup companies, mm -hmm. a lot of industry and the pharmaceutical side of it that work, Danforth Center, and then the Stour Institution, Kansas City. So we're, we're pretty fortunate to, to have the healthcare system we have in Missouri and just really some of the top quality institutions, uh, cutting edge institutions, I might add. Yeah, I mean, it certainly sounds like it. So let's just, you know, why don't we just jump right into the three questions and you sort of touched a little bit on my first question there. Um, you know, we talked to some that, uh, supporting innovation and innovative companies like those in the biopharmaceutical sector, but what makes Missouri such a great place for that kind of industry? You know, I, I think one, you got to start with, with the people of the state and the community itself. St. Louis is a, a community that's very rounded, I want to say, on the financial side of things, uh, on the, in the uh, I want to say on the federal side of it, a lot of the high tech industry, which goes back to the medical side of it. And then, like I said, you got Wash U up there that's a leading university in the United States, uh, SLU's up there, uh, you know, just a lot of companies up there working together every day to really promote that. And the Cortex that I mentioned, for some people listen probably saying, okay, what's Cortex? But that's really a lot of innovation. That's a lot of startup companies. That's a lot of, uh, that has to do with the life sciences, uh, really starting up every day. So I think just the push in that industry and bringing in top doctors, top professionals, and top companies uh, and, and really being able to have the financial side put together with the research side and then the medical side, because we're all kidding ourselves. You know, you might have the great research, but if you don't have the financial side to back that up, as you would well know with, with CF dealing with what your foundation does, 
uh, at the end of the day, you got to have those two in combination to get things done. Yeah, I mean, we always say that, you know, money buys science and science buys lives. And it's, it certainly sounds like Missouri is a great place for the meeting of the minds in that regard. Yeah, I think, I think we are. I think they do a great job in St. Louis, Kansas City region. And then you've actually got University of Missouri in the middle, what we call the I-70 corridor, uh, which is just huge when it comes to, to the research side of things. And, you know, it's one of the things we kind of benefit a little bit. I mean, all, we're going through tough times right now. Everybody is in the United States, how we're dealing with this COVID-19 situation. But we're pretty fortunate to have the healthcare system we have in place, again, with those research centers. And I will just say this, and simply because Missouri, we get the opportunity to work very closely together to, as you said, to keep people, to change people's lives and keep them safe. And that's mm -hmm. one of the things we've, we've been, we've done fairly well con compared to some other states. Absolutely. Now, so now moving more towards the pandemic, uh, obviously there's something big going on in the world right now. So how is your administration balancing the statewide response against COVID-19 with continuing to ensure care for patients like those of us living with cystic fibrosis? Yeah, I, I, I think perfect uh, question and, and great example I want to say with CF would be is really knowing who's at, who's at really the high risk. Who are the people that you really know after COVID-19 that you've got to be really careful with and you've got to put a little effort emphasis on how do you take care of them and what are you going to do when the day it comes or it happens? If somebody tests hot, what do you got? And I think that's one of the things here in the state. Uh, one of the things we push is telehealth medicine in the state. Uh, Missouri is very diverse. You've got Kansas City and St. Louis, which most people know about, but the rest of the state is very rural. And, uh, and if you've got CF, it doesn't matter where you live, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. So to have that healthcare side of it, to be able to do telemedicine was a big deal to me. Uh, and to have that broadband services to get telehealth medicine. Yeah. Again, going back to the money it takes to get to the point where you can get the service, to get to, to, get to the signs. I think that's one of the things we put a lot of emphasis on here in the state. And uh, I think, again, just knowing high risk, we, we have a strategy that, matter of fact, Dr. Burks was here from Washington, D.C. yesterday. One of the things we implemented early on was a box-in strategy so that we could really go in there and target individuals or people. For a nursing home, for example, it sounds like a lot of people. Yep. Really, we're targeting one or two people, not the whole institution, but if we can go in there and identify those one or two people uh, that has this virus. Uh, we can stop that. And the same way CF, if somebody in that household knows it, quicker you know that, the better. You know? Yeah. And so we, 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 we stepped up our game pretty big on that. We, we, like a lot of states early on, we were struggling with testing, for example. And to do six or 7,000 tests a week, we were thought we were doing fairly well. And, but, but that's nothing compared to what we got 6 million people. So now we're, we've upped that game a little bit and we're doing over 100,000 tests a week. Wow, that's impressive. And I got to tell you, one of the nice byproducts of this pandemic, I think, is the accessibility of telehealth. You know, it feels like that's something that we've been dying to have in the cystic fibrosis community, at least. You know, having a doctor a phone call away is something you really can't pass up. Yeah, you know, and you're, and you're right, Gunnar. I mean, we think, most of us think it's just so easy to get on a podcast this morning with you. We're all set up to do that. Mm -hmm. But the vast majority of people still out there don't have that same opportunity to do what we're doing. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. We've got to change that. You know, I, I tell people here in Missouri all the time, if we can put electricity in everybody's house, we can put communications in everybody's mm -hmm. house. We can put, you know, we can put broadband there. We can put internet so we can have this conversation. And me and you get to talk on a podcast this morning, but just think how important that is if you're sitting here talking to a doctor when you really need help and you need advice and you need support. And that's why I think, you know, knowing the CF community out there, knowing they're there and knowing that, look, 
they're high risk and you got to understand that from day one uh, that you got to take care of that you know not to make anybody more special than anybody else but the reality of it is you got to know what your risk factors are all of us do I got to yes. know what 64 years old. Unfortunately, I got to know what my risk factor is. Yeah, we're, we're sort of in the same boat here. So I got one more question for you, and then I, I know you have a few questions for me, but as a student of public health at Dartmouth, I do have to ask this. How has COVID-19 influenced the way your government treats public health issues? You know what? I think it's going to make us better at the end of the day. I, I, I think what I, you're going to look back on this someday, and I think we're going to see some incredible things that happened out of COVID-19. It's going to be make us for, better for the future back to telemedicine, back to virtual. You're gonna do things that people are gonna be able to be do, working from home that you never thought they'd be able to do. And then I think just the science part of it. There's been so much money put into research on how to deal with this particular virus, but there'll be other things come out of that. You know, there, there'll be other cures as, as we've seen in the past. Somebody's working on some cure for something else and all of a sudden we know through science, they've cured another disease. And I think there's going to be things like that that's going to occur out of this that uh, I think someday there'll be a lot of great things come out of this. But, uh, you know, it's tough times now. But look, this country's been through tough times. States have been, we've all went through tough times in our lives. And, uh, you know, you, you got to keep moving forward every day. You got to keep pushing forward to get a little better at what you do. That's true. It's hard to bet against America. That's, that's the truth of it. Yeah, it, it, it is. And, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, I talk a lot of times now. I'm a grandparent, so I got grandkids. and. Uh, I've been blessed to live the life I've been able to live. And, uh, you know, but every day I want to try to figure out how do I make it better for someone else? Uh, you know, and, and that's what drives me to be the governor of this state every day is trying to figure out how do I take care of all Missourians? And again, how diverse this state is. Uh, you, you, it's a challenge every day, but it's a very rewarding challenge too. To go Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'll take a few questions from Governor Parson. So now I want to flip the tables here. I want to put you in the interviewer's seat uh, and, and give you a chance to, to, to ask the rare disease community uh, for some advice. Yeah, you know what? I was sitting here thinking, you know, uh, of what I'm thinking I can do. And, you know, in the big state of being a governor, no matter who, which governor it is, it's very hard to ever give, you know, large quality of time blocks to any one thing because you just got to move from one to the other. So the great opportunity for me to ask you is, what can we do better? What is a governor? What in the CF community do you see that government, especially on state level, needs to do a better job of? Or what can we do uh, every day? So I'm always open to that. You know, I, I think the most important thing that any government can do, state, local, federal, is to engage with its stakeholders, right? And, and I think that I've always said that no, no one person knows more what it's like to live with a condition than the person living with it, and the person who lives it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You know, we're the ones who understand the financial burdens of living with a terminal illness. We understand the, uh, the mental and physical challenges that, that we face. Um, and whether those are things that, you know, we, we deal with when we go to the pharmacy to pick up a medication, or as we said before, what it's now like to log on uh, to a telemedicine visit with our providers. Um, and, and I think what I wish, you know, the, the, our policymakers really knew was those small little nuances and, and how we can make them better and how we can pull barriers down to accessing telemedicine, like you said, making sure that every single person in the state has access to internet, high, high speed internet, and they can just call into a doctor when a, when a problem is manifesting. And, and it sounds like you're doing a tremendous job in making sure that the, the people of Missouri have those uh, accessibilities. Well, you know what? I was talking to you. I made a little note when you was talking to me and I, I asked that question, you know, what can I do? And then I got to thinking, 
what have I done? And, and I'm sitting here making myself ask my question. I got a little note on there, call my director when I get off the phone to say, you know, what exactly are we doing to target and who's the voice? Uh, as you just mentioned, uh, and I, I just thought to myself, I probably need to do a little better job myself trying to figure mm -hmm. out uh, to get that time where somebody that, like you said, it's the small things that matter that, look, I don't know what it's like to have CF. And I'm not going to sit here and try to think that I know what's best for them. I think politicians a lot of times think they know what's best for somebody. But if you haven't been in that situation, uh, you know, you never know. I had open heart surgery four or five years ago. And I've heard somebody talk about open heart surgery and all that stuff. Until it happens to you, you mm -hmm. don't understand. And, and uh, you know, again, I was fortunate in mine, but uh, just what you said, how do I understand better what it is to that CF person to directly have that communication with them? Absolutely. So, yeah. So you're opening me up a little bit this morning too, trying to think, okay, how can I do better on that? So, uh, and then I think, what, what do you feel like, I guess, on the state levels for, for your listeners out there uh, that's listening to you? Where do they see the weakness? Is it communication? Is it, is it telemedicine? Do people not understand what, 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 what you're going through? Uh, what is that challenge? In, and maybe how can we help from a public perspective? Uh, you know, we got a pretty good voice out there. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we can send out messages. And what would those messages be? So, you know, I think one of the, the biggest weaknesses of, of uh, communicating is, is really when the wires are crossed. You know, when, when patient groups are told one thing, but, uh, you know, the action is, is something entirely different. And what, what I want to see more of is concise, educated communication with every patient, right? And every patient is going to have different needs. They're going to have different levels of understanding and different levels of being able to comprehend what state policies are. Um, you know, I, I read a piece the other day in, uh, in, in, on the disability column of the New York Times that talked about uh, how people with disabilities and rare diseases have to uh, cope with very complex nuances and policies. And it's hard for people to understand that, right? And, and what I think I want to see more of, and it's something that we're learning now in schools, how to effectively communicate complex policies that lawyers and, and policymakers are, are writing and describing. And how can we put that in easy to understand language so that patients know how to access, um, you know, very nuanced programs that each individual state offers. And, and I know that you've done a great job with this uh, by signing the legislation, the Missouri Rare Disease Advisory Council. And that's something that I think has done a really tremendous job. And that's something that I want other states to model. Yeah. Well, and you know what you just mentioned there, I think with the, with the virus out there, that's going to bring that to the forefront too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing you do it. I know we were a model state. Uh, we were awarded a model state uh, for disabilities last year, I believe, because we, we were really working on workforce development. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I was looking at is saying, why, why are we not using the community, the, the community out there that has disabilities? You know, mm -hmm. because everybody kind of looks like disabilities. And I'm kind of out there saying, okay, what is the ability side here? Mm -hmm. You know, we, we kind of look at, okay, if you got a disability, you can't do much. Well, that, that, that's really not correct when you really go out there into the real world and you see people out there working, doing really good things. And we, and we really, we put a lot of emphasis on that on our workforce development programs, trying to figure out how we could utilize that, those, those uh, actions from people with disabilities. We'll be right back with Governor Mike Parson. You know, Governor Parson, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I wrote an opinion piece in uh, U.S. News and World Report not long ago about one of the positive byproducts of the pandemic will be the, you know, the telework. Of course, it's a little disappointing and, and sad not to be in the office, but I think 
the, uh, the prevalence of telework will really just include more people with disabilities in the workforce because they'll be able to do it from home. You know, we're eliminating the commute. And, I, you know, I look back on my own life, uh, you know, I, I dealt with a number of really severe health issues as a result of cystic fibrosis right after I graduated college. And I had to make tough choices about where I could work, where I couldn't work, when I, when I could go to school, when I could not go to school because of my health. And I now think that the prevalence of telework, telemedicine will really change that for the better for people, not only with disabilities, but also severe critical illness. I, I don't think there's any question about that. I, like I said, you're going to have the good things out of this virus. Mm-hmm. We've we got a workforce of 50,000 people here in the state of Missouri. We probably had 35% of those people that we actually sent home because of the virus. But we also learned from that. We also realized, wait a minute, this production didn't fall off. So if you can do that at home, again, that's more job opportunities with people. Uh, but I, again, I'm going to say abilities instead of disabilities. I know everybody refers to disabilities, but I, I kind of just a bone little thing because I got a little great niece that's uh, autistic. But there is some things that people can do, and we just need to figure out what that is. But like you said, just what you're doing today, there, there's a whole workforce out there to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we just got to tap into that and see how do we utilize that? What's the strength of that to really, and what, what, what a great story that would be for everybody. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more, Governor Parson. Yeah, so, so it, it's exciting. Every day, uh, you know, this is a great thing uh, about life in general. Every day you get to try to make the best of each day. I tell yeah. my grandkids every day, all days are good days, just some a little worse than others. You know, I really believe what we make of it. Everybody's uh, challenges every day. But again, what do you do with those challenges every day that you have? And what's the opportunities out there? What's the opportunity for you, Gunnar? See see what you're doing here with what you've done to really understand how important the cause is. And you're going to open the doors. You will and people like you will open the doors for people to go to work again. Uh, I mean, how cool is that? You take that for granted. But then all of a sudden somebody said, wait a minute, Gunnar can do this. I can do that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I think, you know, the economic benefit and the economic byproducts of this pandemic, while they're tough right now, moving forward, it's a lot of really important lessons, I think, for our uh, economy and our country to learn. Well, you know, the one, the one thing I would say for here in Missouri, you know, keep reaching out to us. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you have the opportunity to reach a lot of governors across the United States. Um, I talk about your issue. And, and I think every day that we have a conversation like I'm having with you today, it makes me go back and, like I said, start saying, okay, what are we doing and how do we do better? And every governor should be wanting to do that across the country, saying, hey, how do I do this job better every day? So uh, you being part of this conversation is, is uplifting to me, one. But then I'm sitting here thinking, uh, what's my opportunities to, to, to work with the CF community? And what's the, what does that mean in Missouri? I might have a great workforce out there I haven't tapped into yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, absolutely right. And with telehealth, who better to tell the story than somebody that's been in that situation? Mm-hmm. You're, you're absolutely right. Well, Governor Parson, thanks for, for taking the time to join the show today. This has been a really eye-opening conversation uh, and super glad to hear about all the great work you're doing over in Missouri. Oh, thank you. Well, come back and see us sometime. You know where Missouri's at now. So yeah, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Will do. Thanks so much. All right. All right. Thanks, Governor. That's all for this week. Be sure to join us next week. New episodes come out every Wednesday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at G17Esiason, and you can check out my website at GunnarEsiason.com. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to The State of Health and then leave a rating and a review. A big thank you to Governor Parson for coming on the show. The State of Health is produced by Bob Dwyer. Thanks to Odyssey for making this podcast possible. See you next week.